Hello folks, this is Chopping It Up with CJ. I'm your host, Chris James, and this is Turf Talk Thursdays. So what do we do on Turf Talk Thursdays? We discuss and outline each of the upcoming games on the NFL slate. I'll give you kind of a game overview, my X factors or keys to victory for each team, my final score prediction, and then I'll do the betting odds, the line for the game at the time of the show, and the over-under. I'll also provide a confidence score along with that that kind of gives you a guide as to how I feel about that. It's a scale of 1 to 10. 1 means I'm not confident in this because things might go left. A 5 or somewhere in the middle means that, you know, it's just a pick em. It's up to you. What, what does your gut say? And anything high, like a 9, means I'm very confident in it. And a 10 is my lock. Something that I have ultimate confidence in and I don't expect to miss many of those on a season, if at all. So this is episode 6 of Turf Talk Thursdays, which means we're going over the NFL Week 6 schedule. Now, some of you may have noticed, I I was asked also, we were off last week. Um, I decided to take a vacation. I did have a tech issue with one of the shows. I had some friends that I was going on a vacation with and I was actually going to do the shows on vacation. But is that really vacation if you're organizing a script to put together for the football games? Because, you know, I actually have to put a little bit of effort into this. This is not all off the dome, even though that's something that I've done in the past with past podcasts. This is something where I do a little bit of research, looking at things and then provide, even if it's wrong, researched uh, conclusions for each of the games. And this is the first week with bye weeks. Right, so uh, New Orleans Saints are off and Atlanta Falcons are off on bye this week, so I think we only have 15 games. Um, I'm gonna, as I said in past episodes, when I open up Turf Talk Thursdays, I'm gonna recap my record for the season. The reason that I mentioned that I was off last week is it did affect every game associated with week five schedule with respect to me picking against the spread. Right, I didn't do any betting. I didn't do any assessments here, but the straight up picks, I still did every week. I do every week because that's tracked by a piece of software and I'm in a thing that, you know, may have its own little thing going on with uh, picking the games. So I use that as my straight up picks assessment and it keeps a record for me. So straight up this season, I'm 51 and 29 and I had a really down week five and then week six. I picked it back up and uh, did really well. So I'm 64% straight up. Not where I want to be. I, I, I like to be right around, if not above, 70% straight up. Against the spread, I'm 36, 24, and 4. Didn't have a great week. I actually went um, 8 and 8 with my week 4 outlooks. So it brought me down from 63% to 60%. Uh, not great. Like I said, that's going to be under uh, the total for the normal slate of games. And then my confidence scores um, of 10. So my, my 10 confidence scores. Uh, I missed one on the last show. Uh, Jets and Titans. So I'm 5 and 1 this season. That's 83%. Again, not where I want to be. I want to be with these above 90% or a 90, not around 90 or above percent because these are things I have pretty de- doggone good confidence in. Uh, at the time, you know, we can make excuses. It's not an excuse, but I will say that at the time that I did the show, some guys weren't ruled out, didn't know if Bud Dupree was going to be out, didn't know, you know, 
Julio wasn't ruled out yet. AJ Brown was looking looking like he was going to be out, but you know what? Excuses are excuses. So I lost that one. But because of the structure of the show and the fact that I'm actually doing this one late due to uh, having to take care of some other business, I'm going to actually start and go on with the Thursday night football game. And then out of order, and I might start doing this going forward, I'm going to do the Thursday night fantasy outlook early. So if you are listening to the show, you can still set your lineup if you do get the chance to catch the show before the game starts. So without further ado, let's jump in. And a local team is playing in the Thursday night game. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going up to visit Philly and playing against Philadelphia Eagles. My overview for the game is this. You know, Tom Brady is that guy. Week five, he was that dude. He's probably the best player on the field in week five in a lot of respects, at least at the quarterback position. We can talk about Herbert and some of the other guys. And yes, Lamar Jackson. So let me restate that. On Sunday, he was the best player on the field at the quarterback position because he was not better than Lamar was. But, you know, he tossed five touchdowns against the Miami Dolphins. And then the Philadelphia Eagles got a massive victory on the road against Carolina Panthers. So you got two teams coming in off of W's, feeling good about themselves. Here's the issue that uh, is faced here. And it's actually my keys to victory, X factors, the things that we need to look for in this game. For the Bucks, you know, will the injuries actually catch up to him? Let's go ahead and be honest. Rob Gronkowski does function a lot as a safety blanket for Tom Brady. Does not mean that he needs him. What I'm saying is he's comfortable with him, just like Antonio Brown. But then you also are missing Levante David and Antoine Field Jr. And quiet as crap, the biggest injury, and he's going to play, but Tom Brady's hand. You know, how does that, how does that go? And for the Eagles, can they control the middle of the field? And I ask this for the following perspective. It's on both sides of the ball. It is, if they can force Brady to throw the ball to the exterior portion of the field, outside the numbers more often, he can do that, but he operates much better on the interior. Number two, on the other side of the ball, can they utilize Zach Ertz and some of these uh, slot receivers to take advantage of an ailing center field of this uh this defense for the Bucks, you know, not having Winfield Jr., not having Levante David, who is criminally underrated every year at linebacker. And then the big thing, we know what, what Tom Brady hates the most, period. It's been for years, interior pressure. So having Hargraves, having Fletcher Cox on that interior, they may be able to generate some pressure in the middle. I'm expecting a fun and entertaining game in this one, and I expect this one to be closer than some may think. I do have the Bucks pulling it out, but I have them winning 33 to 30 against the Eagles. So the betting odds on this one, the Bucks are seven-point favorites, so I'm taking the Eagles against the spread. I only have a confidence level of four here, and here's why. Still have a young Eagles team. This is still not an established team. I think they're starting to gel more, but you still have a rookie head coach, and you have a second-year quarterback who, for all intents and purposes, could be classified as a late-in-his-first-year rookie. Uh, the over-under is 52.5. I have the over here and by a decent amount, so I'm putting a confidence level of 7 on it. I think it's going to be an entertaining game. Neither secondary is playing great football, so you, you, your quarterbacks might be able to take advantage of them. From a fantasy perspective, I'll give you a quick overview of this so you get it. When I say start them, it does mean that A, you should probably start them, but B, they should get more points than expected based on projections from multiple sites. Whatever entity you're using to play fantasy football they have their own projections but they're usually fairly similar in nature sit them means the exact opposite you don't have to sit these guys down it just means temper your expectations on what you expect from uh their, their results and then sleepers sleepers are going to be 
either people who are not usually in your lineup or it might be something that's an oddity that you might not uh, be used to getting. So for the home team, um, my stardom is Zach Ertz. I think that him being the lone tight end and there being an injury on the defense to Levante David might give him the opportunity to get more passes, especially from a young quarterback. My sentiment is Miles Sanders. Yes, the Bucs are giving up a lot of points and PPR scoring to the op- opposing running back, but is Miles Sanders still leaving the starter? He's getting more playtime, but Kenneth Gainwell is the, the running back that's getting um, more touches that matter. So until Miles Sanders shows it, just sit him down. And then my sleeper is going to be the Eagles defense, special teams. Not only are they good in the return game, but again, I mentioned it earlier, interior pressure, putting pressure on Tom Brady. I'm not expecting him to throw picks, but you know they may get a sack or two and keep the score in a unreasonable fashion. It might be this little contrarian play compared to what you're used to seeing. For the home team, I mean for the away team, sorry, Tampa Buccaneers, I want to start Leonard Fournette. I think they're starting to trend up and with an injured hand of Brady, I think they proved their point of him throwing a bunch of passes last week. They'll probably try to ride Leonard Fournette to uh, the end goal. And then Antonio Brown, again, not having Gronk. These three wide receivers consistently have Brown being ranked as the number two guy. He was my sleeper last week, and I actually thought that he could have a breakout performance as far as having at least a touchdown, if not two. So he ended up with two. He did a great job. Those are the two guys that I would start. I would actually sit Tom Brady if you have another option this week. And again, I don't mean you have to sit him down, but if you are starting him, just have tempered expectations. Know that he's probably going to get you know some touchdowns in this game, but it won't be the four or five you're used to seeing based on how I expect this game to kind of play out. And then Mike Evans. Also, he's usually the highest ranked guy. They have a lot of points associated with him on two of the sites that I looked at. I don't know if that's going to be the the thing in this particular game because he'll probably get some level of shadow coverage and also be kind of the focal point in the passing game. There's no sleepers on the Bucs game or for the Bucs side of the ball at this stage of time because everyone's kind of a known commodity, even Cameron Braid at this point, and I don't expect a big game from him. So we're going to jump into the Sunday slate of games. We're going to go with the 9.30 game being played in London on October 17th. And that's the Jacksonville Jaguars playing their in-state, can't call them rivals, let's just say in-state participants uh, with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Two teams with a combined one win. Excellent. Great football. So the overview on this one is kind of simple to me. With the Miami Dolphins, you know, everyone's calling for whether it's the coach or the GM or whoever to go. I just think that this team needs to, they overachieved last year, and now they're underachieving to some respect. But it's more explainable this year because they've had a lot of injuries. For the opposing team, the Jacksonville Jaguars, it's kind of like a team showing up for the first time at a Super Bowl or a national championship. They got to travel to London with a rookie head coach who's going through his own problems, a rookie quarterback, and a lot of young players on a team that honestly is still trying to gain or continue to respect to some extent whatever with their head coach how does that affect them um for the dolphins their key to victory is play to the strength of whichever quarterback starts you know jacoby Brissett's going to be more deliberate in how he throws the ball as far as the time it takes keeping an extra blocker and push the ball down the field when he's in the game if he's in the game if it's going to be Tua, you can put more people into the route to try to spread things out against that opposing defense and allow him to get the ball out of his hands quickly. He's much more quick on the release than a guy like Jacoby Brissett. And for the Jags, again, they need to keep the formula going where they actually utilize Trevor Lawrence reasonably 
as an athlete far let them run and also hand the ball to James Robinson you have to do that otherwise you can get down to a team that has more talent on defense than they've shown of late my prediction on this one is the Dolphins 28 Jags 20 uh, I just think that the, the Jags will not be ready for everything that's offered by the Dolphins and I think Brian Flores will get some of these guys in line and Tua might just be back under center uh, the betting line on this is the Dolphins by three, so I have uh, the Dolphins covering with a confidence level of seven. I feel like they're just going to be the better team in this particular matchup, even though they might have some talent disparities in certain places. The over-under is 47. I technically picked the over, but it was by a single point, so I have a confidence level of three. I would stay away from the over-under because in games of this nature, where there's not set conditions, it's hard to judge how people are going to show up. So on to the 1 p.m. slate. The first one up with the Saints being on the bye, which is my usual go-to if they're in the 1 p.m. slate, is the Green Bay Packers playing the Chicago Bears. Now, the overview of this game is honestly, yeah, both of these teams coming off victory, but they looked completely different. The Green Bay Packers came off a victory where, honestly, they could have easily lost that game. The Chicago Bears came off of a victory where, to be honest, they dump-trucked the Raiders, and the score was not indicative of how that game actually went. So the X-Factors here. For the Bears, continue expanding Fields' game and stick to what you used to do of playing defense. It feels like that defense is energized. They're playing well because they have more, I'm not going to say confidence in Justin Fields, because I think they think Andy Dalton's probably more competent at this stage of their careers. But there's a different energy when you have something called, I don't know, hope. Play a little different. And for the Packers, don't fall for the trap game. This is a game that they should not lose. But coming off the overtime win some of the mental hurdles they had to get over with that and this Bears team being a little bit better than people expected again remember preseason I had them going to the playoffs uh, if they let Fields start these games but my prediction on this is the Packers still pulling it out but in a close one 21 to 17 uh, the line on this is the Packers by five so I have the Bears covering with a confidence level of six I think the Bears could win this outright I just don't expect it I would take the game of Aaron Rodgers late in a situation where it's got to drive down, get in a field goal range or score a touchdown over the rookie guy who started like his third game uh, in Justin Fields. So uh, I'm going to hedge towards the guy who uh, has been getting it done for well over a decade over the guy who's brand new and will eventually be good, but he's just not there yet. Um, the over-under is 44. I technically took the under here. Conference level of five. This could be a breakout game where they score more points, but I think the Bears themselves would love to play, you know, an ugly game and try to get a victory. And I'm certain that the Packers don't mind playing an ugly game just to get out of this one, considering the defense they're playing against, especially the front seven. Next game is the Cincinnati Bengals uh, traveling to Detroit to play the Lions. Now, in this one, you have two teams that seem to be trending in the right direction, but the, the, the actual result isn't indicative of it. I mean, the Bengals could easily be 4-1 at this point if they would have been able to make a kick, made some different decisions maybe. And the Detroit Lions could easily be, you know, 2-3, and three, even 3-2 three and two at this point. But unfortunately, things haven't gone for them. So they're X-Factors for the Bengals. This is not even a joke. Can Joe Burrow speak? You know, apparently he got poked in the throat and couldn't speak, so they've been resting his voice. That's going to be a big deal here playing on the road. Granted, Detroit's not selling out the stadium, it's still not going to be completely empty. So can he speak? Do they do silent calls? Things like that. Also, the Lions. What's next? 
Like, this team feels like it's snake-bitten. Do they finally break through, or do they continue to have losses that are mind-boggling? My prediction on this one is the Bengals 26-20. I think the Bengals are the superior team in this particular matchup, but I do think the Lions will fight in every contest. Uh, the line on this is 3.5 for the Bengals, so I got the Bengals covering with a confidence level 8. I feel pretty good about what the Bengals have to offer as a unit. Um, and I think that last week, even though they didn't get the W, it kind of taught them that they can hang with the big boys and that they're ready to be a better team and possibly a playoff team. The over-under on this is 47, so I technically picked the under by a single point. So I'd have a confidence level of 3. I wouldn't touch this one because you don't know what's going to happen. This could be a defensive slugfest. This could be an offensive shootout. One team could blow the other one out. If that happened, I would expect it to be the Bengals blowing out the, the Lions. But again, I don't touch over-unders where it does not have a good feel to it. All right, the Houston Texans versus the Indianapolis Colts is the next game up on the slate. And this is a Texans team that you know, helped skelter. I mean, they played one of the best teams in football and got destroyed. Davis Mills looked awful. They play one of the best head coaches, if not the best, in the game. And... Not as much talent, but Davis Mills looked pretty doggone good. They changed some things up and allowed the guy to, to actually do things that he did, you know, does reasonably well. He throws a catchable ball, get get the ball out of his hands quick, screen game, things like that. So the X factors for this game with the Colts, you know, I think they need to play fast and put pressure on the opposition. They have the opportunity to play faster than they, they have been. I think if they get to the line quickly and run the ball, throw the ball over top, kind of play like they were playing against the Ravens to some respect. They put a lot of pressure on a rookie quarterback to play above his head again. And for the Texans, continue with the screen game. I know it's a simple thing to say, but they need to continue variations of that. You can do different variations of the screen game like they were doing, where it was whether it was the running back out of the backfield, quick screens to the to the exterior receivers. Um, they can even mix in, you know, some read option elements where you read, make the entire line go left, but have someone pull. And then you can do a little tap pass to someone coming back underneath. Just do things to get the ball out of Davis Mills' hands to, to keep pressure off him because they're also going to not have Laramie Tunsil in this game. But my final score prediction on this one is Colts 31, Texans 16. Just a little bit too much and too much talent for this one. Um, Colts are a 10-point favorite. And I'm actually going with a lock of the, one of my locks. I'm going with 10 as a confidence level here. I just feel like the Colts are the superior team in this particular matchup. I feel like the Texans played above their head last week. You saw the pressure that the Colts were able to generate against Lamar Jackson and still have seven in coverage. What do you think they're going to do against a guy who is a young quarterback that's missing his left tackle? It might get ugly in this one. Now, while I do have the over on this 43 and a half point over under, the thing to keep in mind is I only have a confidence level of six on it. Yes, it's a little above. I do think the Texans will be competent. But I think the Colts can score a lot of points. And T.Y. Hilton also comes back in this game, folks. So with him back, he is the Texans killer, even an old regime. So let's see if that also gives them a little bit of uh, juice. Next game up on the slate is going to be the Los Angeles Rams at the New York Jet, uh, Giants. Overview on this game is, again, these are two teams that didn't look good last week. Even with the Rams getting a W, I didn't like how the offense looked. It just looked, again, saw the highlights, didn't see the flow, but it felt like they were trying to kickstart a, a, a motorbike, right? And then the New York Giants, I mean, I could say the same thing again. What's next? Because that's kind of my key to victory or my X factor. 
they got to just all cross their fingers collectively that they get no more injuries. They're just dropping like flies. What happened preseason to the to the Baltimore Ravens seems to be happening in season to teams like the the 49ers and the Giants, especially on offense. And for the Rams, honestly, I know that they wanted to show off their new toy. I know that Sean McVay wanted to prove a point, you know, get me a, a better quarterback and we can make big things happen, but they got to kind of return to Rams football. They have to take it slow and run the ball more. Sony Michelle should have 15 carries in this game. And that means Daryl Henderson should have 17 carries. That means another running back, even if Jake Funk is, is active, he should have three or four carries. They need to run the ball more and then take a few deep shots, but stop trying to prove this Matt Stafford thing. You don't need that. That's how you lose a game like this is by trying to prove it and possibly getting turnovers. I think that they will actually take this approach of running the ball more often and taking some deep shots when they're there. And that's why I have the Rams winning 32-17. So the line on this is the Rams by nine and a half. So I'm taking the Rams to cover. I only have a confidence level of eight compared to the last game. And here's why. I actually do think even with the issues with the Giants on offense, getting back Sterling Shepard, Daniel Jones is progressing well. Uh, I don't know if, I don't think they'll win. But this nine and a half is a lot for a team that I don't think is as bad as a nine and a half point spread, period. You know, Devontae Booker's not bad. He's no Saquon Barkley, but he's probably more effective in some respects in this offense just for the way that they, in my opinion, misuse Saquon Barkley. But again, I'm not an NFL coach, don't claim to be, and they probably know a lot better what works for Saquon than I do, but I'm just looking at the, the games and it looks a little awkward. Okay, and the over-under on this is 48 and a half. So technically I have the over, but it is by a single hook, a half a point. So I have a confidence level of four. I wouldn't go with this because again, feels like one of those odd games that could break out into a shootout for no apparent reason. And if you're just expecting with a really good Rams defense or a pretty doggone good Rams defense and a pretty doggone good Giants defense that, you know, a non-shootout can break out, then it leaves you in the lurch. So again, I would stay away from this one from the over-under perspective, but I would take the Rams to cover the nine and a half. Next game up on the slate is the Kansas City Chiefs at the Washington football team. Uh, remember, this is a 1 p.m. slate game. You know how West Coast teams do. I think they're around 30% winning percentage or something like that, um, unless they're the Seattle Seahawks. So this 1, 1 p.m. game, traveling out to the east for a West Coast-ish team, right? Uh, Kansas City. I expect Kansas City to kind of get back to good. Um, looking at a lot of stuff, it looks like, you know, Patrick Mahomes is trying to make things happen, make big plays happen. You got Tyreek Hill trying to run before he catches the ball. You got all of these, and the defense is just ridiculous. But you also have the Washington football team. They're a hodgepodge mess of foolishness that's too talented to be this bad against the opposition. So this is a get-right game for the Kansas City Chiefs if they want to. But my X factor or keys to victory is, again, I reiterate it, take the easy gains early to get the big ones late. The Chiefs did an excellent job against the Browns of being really patient and then getting big plays late. And then they kind of fell off the reins. And in the games they've lost, it's kind of felt like they've been trying to force things. They could have beaten the Bills if they would have taken the gains, the easy gains early and put pressure back on the Bills. But once they were behind, it was a rut row. And for the football team, take shots early to run it late. What I mean by that is, yeah, double move these guys. You know, Darren Sorensen is someone that I picked on last show, but 
he's been picked on for a reason. He's falling for the double moves easily, getting lost in coverage for no apparent reason. Yeah, you take these guys, the McLaurins of the world, uh, the Curtis Samuels now that he's back. Take these shots early, and then you can start to run the ball because what they'll do is they'll start to back those safeties up, and now you'll get some run lanes. But what I expect is for this to be just an interesting game to watch, possibly a little bit of fun. And I have the Chiefs winning 40 to 28. Uh, the Chiefs are a six and a half point favorite. I like that hook. It makes me feel confident. So I'm taking the Chiefs as another lock, 10 points, um, a confident score. Uh, I like what they have to offer here. And the over under is 54.5. I have the over being covered pretty easily, and I have a confidence level of eight on this. But both defenses look bad right now. And yes, you could go contrarian and go with the under. I understand if you do, but I just have a lot of confidence in this Chiefs offense. And my sleeper for the week was Taylor Heineke. Uh, to come out and have a pretty big game, probably three touchdowns. All right, game that's up next is going to be the Minnesota Vikings at the Carolina Panthers. Now, Minnesota pulled off a victory last week while Carolina ended up losing. Both were close contests. And the thing is, honestly, Minnesota shouldn't have won last week. I say it like that only because... They have too much talent to be in a game like that with Detroit. Yes, they won, but at the end of the day, you needed that last second field goal to win. And then on the other side, the Carolina Panthers. Maybe their offensive woes would be fixed with the addition of CMC, but honestly, they didn't have many offensive woes against the Cowboys late. It just feels like this team is not nearly as good as that cake schedule that started off uh, made them seem like they were. So the X factor here is does CMC... CMC fixed the offense. It's a true question for the Panthers and for the Vikings. Pressure, pressure, pressure. It's not even getting pressure with your front four or anything like that. I mean mental pressure. I feel like one of the contributing factors is if you, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, if you end up making Sam Darnold have to play above his head, he'll make mistakes. I've mentioned this before. Certain guys, they want to play hero ball and maybe they don't have the talent to do it, whatever it may be. And again, all these dudes are talented. I'm not going there. What I'm saying is, if you got a guy who's Mahomesian talented or Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson, they can do it. But when you have a guy like Baker Mayfield or Jameis Winston or in this instance, Sam Darnold, and not all of them have the same talent, but those three guys don't have nearly the talent that the other three guys I just mentioned do but they have the mental mindset to go make those plays. And if you put pressure on Sam Darnold, I think that he'll try to do that. And I think that it'll fall into the Vikings hands. But when it's all said and done, I have the Panthers pulling this one out in, an, in a squeaker, 24-23 against the Vikings. Oddly enough, the Vikings are a two point favorite. So I have the Panthers covering, but I have virtually no confidence in this. I uh, discussed this earlier with a, with a friend from high school. And I was like, well, you know, I'm picking the Vikings and then, thinking about it I'm gonna pick the Panthers and I flip-flopped on this uh truly did so the over under on this is 46 points I technically have the over by one point so I'm giving both the Panthers covering uh the spread a three and the over a three on this I would stay far far away from this game from a betting perspective if you have to pick it for a uh, for a pool or a confidence pool this would be one where I give it less points on a confidence scale and one where I would just say go with your gut the true definition of a toss-up. 
And then the last game on the 1 p.m. slate is going to be the Los Angeles Chargers against the Baltimore Ravens. And honestly, this could have been the Monday night, Sunday night, any night game of the week. I think this is actually the most exciting game on the slate, um, to be honest. And look, you have two teams that are 4-1. and one. They have stellar quarterbacks. You know, one guy is trending towards being excellent in, in Justin Herbert. One guy just is excellent, Lamar Jackson. The unanimous MVP, he's working towards getting a second MVP this season with the way he's playing. So this should be entertaining. I'm rooting for both of these guys. Herbert seems like a good dude who I made the comp on Twitter to try to explain to people who thought I was being a hater on on, on Justin Herbert. I watched the tape on Justin Herbert from college. I saw seven full games of him. This wasn't Justin Herbert at all. Just ever. Justin Herbert never looked like this dude that he is now. In fact, the best game that I watched Justin Herbert play and the one where I finally saw some dog in him was him using his legs to rush for three touchdowns against Wisconsin. So I never saw this dude. And the comp that I made on Twitter to try to tell people what I was seeing of his college tape versus his NFL tape was... Because again, I saw the talent, but he never played like this. Justin Herbert's college tape was Joe Burrow's 2018 tape versus his NFL tape being Joe Burrow's 2019 tape. And if you know, you know. Joe Burrow looked mediocre. You could tell he had some dog in him, but you could also tell maybe he doesn't have the talent to do this. And then you saw that 2019 tape and you go, ooh-wee, that boy is going to be good. So, I digress. So I'm going to go with the X factors and keys to victory on this particular one. For the Chargers, honestly, get the ball out quick. You know that there's going to be pressure. There's going to be blitzes. You don't want Herbert taking too many hits that are unnecessary. So get the ball out quick. You have the weapons. You'll probably get one-on-one coverage because that's what Martindale likes to do. Your hopeful situation here is that he actually treats you like he would treat the Chiefs, where he just rushes forward and sits back. But that's probably not going to happen. For the Ravens, honestly, will they maintain the same energy for Monday Night Football? And what I mean by that is you don't have to go empty and start throwing the ball around the yard if you're going to misuse Lamar Jackson. All these three-yard end cuts, everything in the middle of the field is silly. If you're going to allow him to use the whole field, do that. In fact, you should do it more often. And run the ball in a more traditional fashion and having him do the read option all the time. That's where they kind of get in trouble. It was a good thing for his second year in the NFL. He's in his fourth year. This guy's matured quite a bit. You don't need to use it quite as much, almost at all, to be honest, for him to run the ball with Uh, the read option, have them just give. Honestly, a lot of times, those dudes are still not reading. They're still kind of reading because they still expect Lamar Jackson to do things. All right, my final score prediction on this one is Ravens 35, Chargers 33. I think it's going to come down to a last-second type situation where whether it's Justin Tucker kicking a late field goal to win or the Chargers going to for two to try to tie, which in this particular situation is kind of what I'm I'm saying would happen. And I just don't think they'll be able to get it done. I like the Ravens in this one. Now, interestingly enough, the Ravens are a favorite. They're a three-point favorite if you're familiar with betting. If you're a three-point favorite at home without some sort of condition to push it in a way, that's usually Vegas saying, we think on a neutral site, these two teams are even. That's usually what people equate it to, just to give you a heads up. So, I have the Chargers covering, barely. So, I give it a confidence level of five. Basically, I would say, toss-up. Whoever you think is going to win the game is the one that you would take in this particular situation. But one thing I do expect to hit, just because 
these quarterbacks are too good. Especially Demar Jackson, he's he's excellent. And like I said, Justin Herbert's trending towards excellence. 52 is the over-under. I've combined score 68 here, so I'm going with the over, and I'm going with a confidence level of eight. Pretty doggone confident on this one. Um, I think that it'll happen. So moving on to the 4 p.m. slate of games. Again, this is going to be September, or well, October. Look at me, making mistakes. October 17th, uh, the 4 p.m. slate of games, which will be played at 4.05 or 4.25, depending on the game. So the first one up is going to be the Arizona Cardinals at the Cleveland Browns. And I love this matchup of former number one overall picks and consecutive years. We're going to have Baker Mayfield defending his home turf against Kyler Murray. Beautiful thing. A lot of interesting things here, including, you know, both having played at Oklahoma, both having won a Heisman Trophy, all the, all, all the things you want to think of, right? All of the things. So here's the deal. All right. I think these teams match up extremely well. Like kind of what they do well is kind of what the other team does well and vice versa. It's just a very interesting matchup. For the Browns, though, this is going to be an internal thing they have to take care of. They have to stop Baker from trying to be Kyler. You know, Baker Mayfield is uber talented. I think he's uber talented because he plays in the NFL, but also just as an NFL quarterback, I think he's got a lot of arm talent. He's got a lot of moxie to him. I don't particularly like how he gets down, but again, I respect, I can be, uh, I respect what what he does, and I can also be uh, an analyst here and put my personal feelings aside, right? So I think he's a good quarterback, and by the way, I've said this once, I've said it twice, I'll say it again. He is a franchise quarterback, in my opinion, for that franchise, and he does need to be paid, just not paid like Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes or even Josh Allen. You know, maybe $25 million a year instead of 45 Um, And for the Cardinals, real question, because I think this would be a completely different game if this guy played. Will they be able to get pressure without Chandler Jones? That's a real thing, because I think Chandler Jones is expected to miss this game. Without him playing, I think it's a close one. I have the Cardinals winning 27-24. I think the Cardinals are one of the three best teams in the NFL at this stage, based on everything they're doing. Um... I think the Browns are not. So the betting lines on this. The Browns are actually a three-point favorite. Much like the last game, what it means is Vegas is telling you this is a toss-up. That the Browns being three-point favorites means on a neutral site, this would be a toss-up, coin-toss game. But I have the Cardinals winning, and I have a compass level seven. Again, the Cardinals match up really well against what the Browns want to do on offense. And, you know, having really physical, long corners, the Byron Murphys of the world... That works. Having two safeties that operate both well in the pass game but can be utilized either deep in the box or deep in the box as a blitzer will mess up a lot of what the Browns want to do with the ground game. And then J.J. Watt is being effective. Like It's just a, it, it's a good matchup for the Cardinals, in my opinion, in this one. And the over-under on it is 49 point and a half. Uh, with me having a 51-point uh, combined score, I have the over, but I don't have a lot of confidence in it. I think this is a game that it could be a shootout, but I feel like both teams will try to play a little closer to the vest, knowing that this is a fairly even matchup. Sometimes teams don't want to try to, you know, blow the other team out because they know a mistake can cost them. The only time they try to take chances is if something crazy does happen, much like when the, the Chargers played the Browns last week and it became a sh- shootout in the fourth quarter because... They just said, 
bump it. We're just going balls to the wall here. The next game up is a divisional game. Or yes, divisional contest is going to have the Los Angeles Raiders playing at the Denver Broncos. Now, we all know what's happened with John Gruden. And honestly, I talked about it yesterday. I'm throwing that away. From the Raiders standpoint, can they get their personality back? Because again, I've dictated that they... Well, I've said that how Derek Carr plays dictates how this team plays. When he's been mediocre, they've been mediocre. When he's played well, they've played well. And I'm not saying that that's not usual, usual for most teams, but you have some teams that supersede bad quarterback play or underachieve with great quarterback play. So this team seems to be really dialed into how Derek Carr functions. And on the Broncos side, honestly, it seems like they got a little uh, conservative and away from themselves early in the game last week. Maybe it's because they were concerned with Teddy Bridgewater having suffered concussion and didn't know if he was fully back. But I didn't like it. Talked to a couple of Broncos fans. They didn't like it. So let's see how they recovered. And that plays into my X Factor and key to victory here. They didn't elect Teddy Cook. Again, it doesn't feel good to you because, again, he doesn't have the big arm. He's not this flashy quarterback. But Teddy Bridgewater is a better quarterback than you think. Teddy Bridgewater has the capability of being not just a top 15 quarterback. But honestly, if you put things on his shoulder and continue to feed him weapons and get these guys like Jerry Judy back, he can be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And I know you want to laugh and giggle, but guess what? Again, if I would have told you that about Drew Brees in 2004, you would have probably laughed and giggled too. And for the Raiders, honestly, can they keep their composure? There's a lot going on in that locker room. There's a lot of turnover. Do they super like? Do they come out and supersede like expectations, or do they fall into a rut for a week or two? Last week kind of looked like a rut, but maybe it's because they saw the writing on the wall. And then a prediction. I have the Broncos winning this one 24-20. I do think that the Raiders will hang tough in this. I think that they're a solid to good NFL team. I think they'll be in most, if not all, of their games. Some they'll win, some they lose. But in this particular situation, I think that they lose based on the Broncos being in a better spot and also at home. So the Broncos are three and a half point favorites here. So technically I have the Broncos covering by a hook. Um I only have a confidence level of six on this. That means I have a little bit of confidence on it. I do have faith in the Broncos, but not enough for me to say run out and bet on them. And then my combined score is actually the over-under. The 44 uh, is the over-under, and my combined score is 44. So that's an even. That means stay away. So Dallas at New England is the final game and kind of the game of the week type situation for the 4 p.m. slot. There's not much to say in this particular thing, so I'm just going to move on to the X-Factor slash keys to victory. For the Cowboys, don't be impatient. Take what the Pats give you. The last time that they went and played up there, yes, Tom Brady was on the other side of the ball, but one of the things the Cowboys did is they were impatient, and they ended up losing that game. Don't do that. And for the Patriots, will they have improved communication on the back end? They seem to not know how to function well on the back end last week against the Texans of all teams. And I'm not saying they're missing Stephon Gilmore because it's really weird for you to get not diced up, but kind of diced up by Davis Mills after playing so well against Tom Brady. So they need to improve their communication because last week they just had some, they looked lost. I watched the first half of that game because I was in Hartford, Connecticut and then had to get on a plane. Um, So didn't see the second half until I watched the highlight clips. So, prediction. Um, 
Cowboys 27-21 in this particular matchup. You know, I, I do like the Patriots actually playing well. I think they improved in the second half last week against the Texans. I think they kind of got back to good. Cowboys are three and a half point favorites in this in this particular matchup. I do feel pretty confident that they'll win this game and they'll win it by a decent amount of points. I have six in my prediction, um, but I believe that the Cowboys are just a better team. And that's why I put a confidence level of eight on them covering. The over under is 50.5. I technically took the under here at 48. I only put a confidence level of five on this one. I actually don't think this one is a good one to bet on. I would lean more towards the under because I think Bill wants to win some ugly football games, but the Cowboys could legitimately just break this open with their offense and force the Patriots to come out of their shell, kind of like when they played New Orleans and were forced to score late because of some issues that happened early in that game. So we're coming up against it with the last two games of the slate with the Sunday night contest, the Seattle Seahawks and the Pittsburgh Steelers, which when they made this schedule looked like a sexy matchup until Russell Wilson broke his finger, well, a tendon in his finger, and Ben Roethlisberger just doesn't look like old Ben. But, you know, looked good enough last week to get the job done against the Denver Broncos. So particular to this uh, matchup, it's honestly, <laughs> it's going to be the X factors or the keys to victory in this one. So I'm going to just go straight into those instead of a game overview because we saw what happened last week. Basically, you had an injury to Russell Wilson and on the other side of the ball, they started to look like a team that was competent on the offensive side with the Steelers. So with the Seahawks, I think they need to push the ball down the field with Geno Smith. You know, Russell Wilson is one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL and I don't expect Geno Smith to be that. But having 10 days off, having to prepare, having two really good wide receivers, and, and people forget, Geno Smith was a candidate to be the number one overall pick when he was coming out. He's super talented. Like, he was an a excellent college quarterback, and coming in, I thought he could be a, gr- a pretty good to great quarterback. Again, his issue has not been his talent, his ability to play football. It's been Geno is immature. I think at this stage, Geno's matured, and you have to give him the option of the 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 chance to to prove that out. And I think you can take deep shots on this Steelers defense, uh, especially if you max protect with those two wide receivers. And for the Steelers, they have to continue to run the ball. The best you're going to get out of Ben Roethlisberger is if you limit him to 25 or so passes in a game and allow him to operate off a play action where he can take deep shots. I know that's weird for a guy whose arm is cashed, but I have consistently said this. He can still throw a ball 50 yards and get a completion out of it. The problem is those in-breaking routes and those intermediate routes around 10 to 12 all the way up to 15 yards, he's not throwing those well unless the defense just gives it up like the the Kansas City Chiefs are giving up those passes. So they have to continue to run the ball well, possibly get some more rushes from their backup running back so they don't run Najee Harris into the ground, and I think they have a good chance to win. My prediction on this one is actually the upset. I have the Seattle Seahawks winning 27-25. Uh, Steelers are a five-point favorite at home, so this is a pretty, you know, interesting selection. Uh, I'm going with the Seahawks, like I said, to cover and went outright, so I have a confidence level of seven on it. I do trust that Geno Smith's better than the consensus says he is, and you'll probably get to see that on display on Sunday night. You'll definitely get to see it over the duration of the next month or so. The over/under on this is 42.5, so I have the over pretty comfortably. Um, so I put in a confidence level of seven on that as well. I don't think these defenses are that great. Yes, uh, TJ Watt is, is a great player. You got other great players on both of these defensive units, but I think the defenses as a whole are not great, especially in the back end. 
Uh, I think you can take advantage of the Steelers secondary just like you can take advantage of the front seven and the secondary of the Seahawks. And then the Monday night contest to close it out is a good one. The Buffalo Bills visit the Tennessee Titans. You know, I want to give an overview on this one. I want to start with the Bills. What the Bills did last week was important to both teams that played in that game. I think that it was important to both teams because it smacked Kansas City in the mouth. They understand we are not on their level. If we had to play right now in a playoff game, Buffalo would stump us because they just did. And for Buffalo, I think it proved to them that they could win that type of game. Go into Kansas City if for some reason they fall apart and have to go on the road in an AFC championship or a playoff game period and play that they can win in that that place in that raucous environment. So it did a lot for them. And what's happening is Buffalo is buying into the uh, the fact that they are talented and they're understanding how to win games, whether they should or shouldn't. And last week they damn sure should have. So kudos to them. And with the Tennessee Titans. They've been destroying it because I think they had an identity crisis based on the following. This is no insider information. This is just me operating from how I see things. I think you had some trust in an OC last year where Mike Vrabel understood this guy does things in a manner that makes sense to me. He wants to run the ball, but they schemed well and they were able to take advantage of guys like A.J. Brown and some of those talented uh, receivers, right? Now you don't have that guy. Now you have a new coaching coach in there. Vrabel is a guy who's kind of old school. He wants to run the ball, this, that, and the other. Got Derrick Henry. Makes sense, right? Well, the problem is you brought in a quote-unquote in some respects, and I don't think he is, but the position is called a diva. Now you have two diva receivers as far as like their talent demands that you need to get them the ball. So things are disjointed when both guys are there, but they're also not effective when neither's there. Because now you can just kind of crowd things and force, like, just be terrible against, you know. Derrick Henry will have to run the ball 45 times. It just, it, it ends up being a terrible look. And it makes Ryan Tannehill look mediocre, right? So I think they're starting to come to an agreement on how to do this. And I think they'll have some health uh, returning. I think both Jones and AJ Brown will be back again. At the time recording, that's how things are trending, but doesn't mean that's what's going to happen on Monday night. But let's pretend that's how it's going to go. That they'll be back. That all being said, everyone being healthy, everyone being back to some extent. This is where my X factors and the keys to victory come in for both teams. That's where my prediction comes in, blah, blah, blah. So the X factors, key to victory for Bills, you know, they have to play the same too high safety look. And reason being is what I just said about those two guys, right? A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. You don't want Ryan Tannehill to get his groove going off of hard play action fakes and getting over the top because you played a single high safety. Because as good as Tredavious White is, if he lets one of those two dudes get past him, it's not going to end well. Right? So you have to force them to run the ball and you have to see if that front, that 5-2 that you like to use, really does live up to the billing. Right? If it does, you're you're golden. And for the Titans, they have to do what I just said. They have to return to form with, with the hard play action fake game. If those two receivers are healthy, they have to start using it. Hard play action fake and run the screen game with Derrick Henry. You don't have to just run the ball directly at everyone. 
But my prediction on this one is a good game. It's a shootout. I have the Bills winning 33-31. The line on this is the Bills by five and a half, which is interesting because they're at they're in Nashville at Tennessee. So this is basically them saying the Bills, if they were at home, would win by almost two touchdowns. And that's possible. But I have the Titans covering on this one. I think it'll be a close and a good game. Right, the Titans have a chance to win this game. I'm not picking it because I think the Bills are in their, they're in their zone right now. But, yeah. So I have the Titans covering with a conference level of six. I do think they'll play well. And the over-under here is 54 points. So I have the over by quite a bit, by 10 points. But here's the thing. You never know what type of game can break out here. I think there's a chance that the Titans still don't learn from their mistakes of the past and just kind of crap the bed and only score 14 points and the Bills kind of shut it down at 31 and then you have a situation where you only have, you know, 45 points on the board and you're you're not pleased because you thought it was going to be a shootout. So it's one where I have a little confidence that this should turn into a shootout. I think the Titans will play well and I don't think the Bills will go in the dumps uh, either. So, okay, that's all the games. I gave you everything I gave you for majority of the games. Some I didn't give an overview because, honestly, it just didn't feel like an overview was necessary because they just didn't feel like there's a lot to say about some of these contests. But what you can do is give the X factors or the keys to victory. You can give all the rest of the stuff that I gave, the predictions and the betting odds. And as usual, you can follow me at CJ Florida 9 that's at CJ the entire state of Florida spelled out and the number 9 on Twitter that's where I do my football stuff and conversation uh, my closing thought for the day is this it's okay to just be now what do I mean by it's okay to just be I think we feel like sometimes if we're not doing things and people describe it as FOMO, you know, fear of missing out, whatever that may be, or, you know, uh, people want you to go do stuff all the time or, you know, you internally want to do stuff again, being FOMO-ish. It's okay to just be. Sometimes you just need to be, right? And the reason I'm saying that is because we've been taught that instant go as a thing and I'm an offender of it as well you know anyone who knows me knows I'm instant go some people have more in, <laughs> information into why but you know I'm always trying to do stuff and sometimes do too much but then sometimes it becomes so enjoyable to just be right just sit there and bitch so I'm hoping that you and it's easier said than done can take time whether it's once a day for 10 minutes one day a week or whatever it is where you can just be and just let your mind relax because again self-care is a big thing and if you all don't take care of yourselves I'm just speaking to no one because there'll be no one to listen to my podcast or anything like that so again just remember it's okay to just be So this is Chris James signing off, chopping up with CJ, and I'll see you on tomorrow's show, the Fantasy Football Fridays show. Goodbye.